This week's podcast brought to you by My Instrument. You've been traveling a lot lately, and when you're not traveling, you're coaching basketball at night. As a result, um, I've been putting our eight-year-old down most nights for the last couple of weeks. Is that a fair assessment? Yes, you've been putting her to bed most nights. Yes. Well, what did I say? Putting her down. Well, it's not like a like a diseased horse or something. No, I've, I've been putting her to bed most nights, and she did say to me last night, is mom going to be home tonight to put me to bed? And I said, no, she's at, at your sister's high school basketball game. And she had a deep sigh, and she said, Will mom be home for Christmas? Yes, I'll be home for Christmas. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. As anyone can hear from the sound of my voice, um, it's not normal. I lost my voice this past weekend. I was, uh, I coached two basketball practices on Friday, then Saturday I coached two basketball games in one practice. And as I was going to the airport, I could tell that I was losing my voice. This happens to me, what, once a winter time? Every year. This is the earliest that's happened. Yeah. Usually it's like in February, but if I get a little bit of a head cold and then I'm coaching and using my voice a lot, I, lo- I lose my voice. So I get on the plane because I-, I did a game in Texas on Sunday and I knew that it- it- my voice was a struggle. So I did not speak. Um, on the plane, as most, the best I could, I did not didn't talk. Woke up Sunday morning, I didn't talk. When by the time I got to the arena, I was hoping that I would have some semblance of a voice, and I had a. It was it was not good. Um, but the, we had a stage manager. We, every game, there's a stage manager. It's a person who hands the play-by-play person all the promos and stuff they have to read at the announce table. At the announce table, and she was unbelievable. She was, could be one of the best stage managers ever. She kept bringing me. Um, warm water with some tea. She put, put honey in it. I was drinking that throughout the game, so it let me have at least a little bit of a voice. The worst that this has ever happened was actually in the summertime, which is unusual because I don't really coach in the summertime, and that's when I lose my voice. But anyway, it was because, a couple... Because you're a yeller during practice? Well, during games and practices, you have to... I don't yell at the kids, but when you're coaching, you're using, you're using your coach voice because it's loud in there. Anyway... So a couple summers ago, I'm going to Phoenix to call a game, and I knew I was losing my voice, but I thought it was going to come back. And I woke up in the morning, and I had no voice at all. I barely, like not even a whisper voice. And and so anyway, so I immediately went to an urgent care, and uh, when I was at the urgent care, they gave me a shot, an anti-inflammatory shot in my arm, and um, and it, it... it took the inflammation out enough for me to at least have a, I mean, barely a voice, but I was able to call the game um, in Phoenix that day with, uh, I don't remember who it was. I'm assuming it was with Ryan Rucco. But anyway, I did not have to get a shot in Austin, Texas, but my voice is still struggling pretty mightily right now. And Ryan Rucco, he, he's fanatical about taking care of his instrument. Am I, am I right? Oh, it's... It, and can I call it his instrument? You can call it his instrument. I'm sure, yes, he's fanatical about taking care of his instrument. And also his voice. Yeah, right. He, um, he before, when we're sitting down before a game at the announce table, he does these warm-up exercises for his voice. 
And then right after a game, he does these like cool down exercises for his voice, which are hysterical. Like they're just these sounds he's making. He's blowing air and, and doing these different things. I think about once a week, he goes to a vocal masseur, masseuse, like especially it's it's used a lot by Broadway um, by by actors and actresses on Broadway because of course their voice is so important but he gets a vocal massage I don't know exactly how it works and you know it sounds like it would be really uncomfortable to have your vocal cords massaged or your throat sort of massaged. That, that, that karate chopping at I the don't throat? know I don't know um, but yeah so he he absolutely takes care of his voice as he should he's a play-by-play person in his early 30s he uh I mean, this is how he's going to make his living for the next 30, 40 years. But anyway, I, maybe I need to start going to a to get a vocal massage once a week or uh, or doing my warm up and cool down exercises. What I just need to do is not coach five games or practices in the span of like 20 hours or whatever it was from Friday night to Saturday morning. That's what really got me. You need to massage your instrument and, and slather it in honey. <laughs> That's exactly that's exactly right. But you you have been to the doctors uh, in the in the past week. Evidently, it it wasn't for for vocal uh, massage. No, I, I last week I had my yearly uh, appointment at the doctor, and the best part of it was I get there and uh, you know you fill out your not even it's not even paperwork anymore because you do it on an iPad. But when I the first thing I did when when they called me in, into the back out of the waiting room is they do your height and weight. And one of the interesting things I thought was they had me stand backwards on the scale. And I didn't I didn't know if it was facing away from the facing away from the, the digital scale. And don't look. Don't look. Don't yeah. Just shield your eyes. Yeah. Did they they didn't blindfold you and have you face forward? <laughs> well, I wondered because it was um it was I was at the, you know, the woman doctor. It was my yearly appointment. And, and so it's all women who are there stepping on the scale. So is it I don't know. I don't know if it's because women can be so self-conscious about their weight. I don't I don't know if that's why they have you step on backwards so that you don't see the number and then break out in tears. I don't know. But that wasn't the, the most interesting part. The most interesting part was um, when I got off of, of the scale slash height thing and, and the shortish um, nurse said, uh, you know, she told me how many inches I was. And I, I was doing the math in my head thinking, this doesn't sound right. And then she said, you're six, two and a half. Six, and two and a six, half. Six, two and a half. You know, I've spent my life, my adult life as a six, four woman. So six, two and a half. And so then we were sitting down and I said, I said, are you sure you got an accurate reading on my height? And uh, I said, because I don't doubt that I'm shrinking. I just doubt that I shrank an inch and a half in the last year. And like, maybe I've shrank a little bit, but there's no chance I'm only six, two and a half. If you like, there's just no chance of it. So anyway, I found that, you know, we've been, you and I've been making jokes the last week about how I'm shrinking. The incredible shrinking woman. By the time you're my age, you'll be five, two and a half. I know. That's the beauty of it. As, as I said to you, I should make sure, you know, our youngest is eight years old. And so, you know, unlike her older siblings where um, when they grow out of clothes, I, you know, I keep them for hand-me-downs. And with our eight-year-old, when she would grow out of something, you know, you'd, I'd give it away or get rid of it. Well, now I need to keep it for me. Because, because you're, you're Benjamin Buttoning. <laughs> because I'm, I'm shrinking. And, you know, and, and, 10 years from now, I'll be able to wear her little rompers and her jumpers and her 
and her little person's clothes. Well, it will be interesting to see how short you are. What is it, a year from now when you have your next appointment? Tell us, when do you have your next appointment? Well, that was an interesting part, too, because as I was leaving, you know, when when you leave, that's when you make the appointment for the following year. And uh, I went to make the appointment, and the the woman, the receptionist, said, uh, said, well, 2019 is all booked up, and um, and we haven't opened the 2020 calendar yet, so you and can't make your appointment. 2021's not looking so good either. <laughs> I just looked at her because I was a little bit confused, thinking like, wait a minute, this is a joke, right? I understand it's December, but 2019 is already completely booked. And she said, and, and we haven't opened our 2020 calendar. And I said, well, so when will I know? And she said, you know, we'll give you a call when we open the 2020 calendar. And I said, okay, is, should I expect that call within the next six months? And um, she said, I don't, I don't know. I'm kind of new here. And uh, I said, well, am I going to be able to actually see a doctor within about a year? Like within a year, you know, within the next 13, 14 months? She couldn't tell me that either. So I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I, I, I've experienced that with our kids and the pediatrician is it can be hard to get an appointment, you know, six months out. But usually within a year, you're fine to get their next their, their next physical. But to not be able to make an appointment for the next year plus is absolutely unbelievable. She, she, she didn't tell you to call Ticketmaster Friday morning at 10 a.m. <laughs> and just keep trying. That's exactly what it felt like. It felt like I was going to be queued up for uh you know, to try to get admit admittance into some, you know, uh, really difficult event. I, d- I don't know. So You'll have to go on StubHub to get a secondary market appointment. Somebody will yeah. sell you their, their slot. Exactly. In and, case and the you have beauty a serious was, medical affliction and you need to get to see your doctor in 2019. And the beauty, too, was that I think there's there's like six or eight doctors in this practice. And she said, my doctor, who, who I love, uh, she said, you know, doc, your doctor is, is scheduled, booked all the way through 2019. And so are all of the other doctors here. They're just telling you to go see another doctor. Basically, they're telling me, you know, you're you're probably done having children. So you're not you're no longer a lucrative demographic. So take your old lady self to a uh, to another to another OB. We, we have uh, we have no interest in you anymore. <laughs> I'm guessing uh, woman doctors on our staff, Dr. Gary Siegel, will weigh in at some point to see to tell us the mysteries of yeah, Dr. booking a year in advance and uh, being booked up a year in advance. I, it's basically I, telling you to find another doctor. I need to know this. And, and of course, the, the OB has to leave. They have a ton of appointments they have to leave open for women who are... Um, who get pregnant. And, and, as, the, and, as the commercials say, women who are or may become pregnant. Right, exactly. Because when you're pregnant, you have to go see the doctor very frequently, especially if there's any complications at all. It's even more frequently. You're in that doctor's office all the time. And so they do have those appointments available. It's just the yearly physical appointments. Maybe they're just phasing them out. Maybe they're just completely, you know, not worth their time anymore. And so they're, they're just trying to push me back to a, a general practitioner. Next time I, I get a query from a magazine editor, I'm, I'm going to tell them I'm all booked up for 2019, and I haven't opened my 2020 schedule yet. Try that with any other job. <laughs> Try that with any other job. That's exactly right. Well, that also makes me think I was um, opening some sort of a of an account recently. You know, when you the first time you, or, and I wasn't opening account. I was just doing it online for the first time, and so. When you, when you do that, you have to answer a bunch of security questions, and you choose which security questions to answer. 
And I was completely stumped because I couldn't answer any of the security questions that um, I had to choose from. And I'm going to tell you what a couple of them were. The, one, of the, one of the questions was, what is the name of the medical professional who delivered your first child? I have absolutely no idea the name of the doctor who delivered our first child. And our first child was born on Christmas morning, early on Christmas morning. And, and I will never, ever forget this. We were, I was in labor and, uh, and whatever time it was, was when the doctor, the shift of the doctors changed. And of course it wasn't going to be my regular doctor because it was Christmas and, and, you know, our doc probably, um, took that holiday off. And this doctor walks in with a fur coat on 8 a.m. 8 a.m. I'm about to deliver our, our first child 8 a.m. on Christmas walks in with her first fur coat on takes it off and says what was it like oh this one's ready to go she yeah. clapped her hands together as if to warm them up rub them together having just come in from the cold took off her fur coat I think she put might have had a, some jewelry on put on uh, the catcher's mask and the catcher's mitt and got into and, the Buster Posey crouch yeah and was ready to uh to to catch our <laughs> catch our first one and and she, our, she had a she had a, a voice like Dr. Ruth Westheimer. I don't know if you remember. Oh, that. I totally remember that. Yeah, she had the accent, the voice, everything. Then our second child, I have no idea the name of that doctor because it wasn't not only wasn't one of our wasn't my doctor, but wasn't anyone any of the six or they eight or also, ten in the practice. They also come and go like a thief in the night. They're there, they deliver the baby, then they're out of there. Yeah, it's the nurses who do absolutely all of the work. Literally, who was that masked man? Yeah, the the our third child. I still I I would have to look on the birth certificate for ch- children number one, two, and three to know the name of the doctor. Finally, when we had our fourth child, it was my doctor who was working that night. Uh, the one who I hopefully will be able to see in 2020. But yeah, so so that that security question, I had no idea. And then here was one another security question. On what street is your grocery store? I have no idea the name of the street. I we go to that grocery I go to that grocery store 3 4 times a week. I don't know what the name of the street that it's on. Here was one. What is the name of your third grade teacher? I know the name of my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Jones. She was a phenomenal teacher. Don't remember my third grade teacher. Do you know the name of your third grade teacher? I do, but how how is it even even uh, secure to Put in the street that your grocery store is on. If somebody knows is vaguely where you live, they can pretty easily guess what Figure grocery, out your store, grocery you store. And then um, this was my favorite one, though. This was the question that really got me. The question is, what is the name of your favorite niece or nephew? What is the name of not your oldest niece or nephew, not your youngest niece or nephew, but what is the name of your favorite niece or nephew? And like, do people really have favorite nieces what is the na- and what nephews? What's the name of your favorite child? Right. Exactly. I mean. I, it was, I was, I had to, there was fortunately a place where you could um, make up your own security questions. And so I did that because I could not answer any also, of those. We also have a couple of dozen nieces and nephews. So even if you, even if you did have a few favorites. No, it would, not only do we have a bunch of nieces and nephews, it would take me a minute to figure out how many, if the security question was how many nieces and nephews do you have? That would take me some time. What well, what's what what number are we at, by the, good, the way, on that? The I'm good not thing sure. Is, the good thing is that you can't answer your own security questions to give you access to your various accounts, but Russian hackers have no problem getting into your accounts. Well, this was another fun thing that happened to me this past week is I had a few accounts get hacked. And uh, my first one that I noticed was my Instagram account, not the ball and chain Instagram account, not ball and chain podcast, but my my personal Instagram account, which is promise 50, because when I opened the account, um, Rebecca Lobo was taken. So I couldn't have my own name. So my my Instagram account is under promise 50 or it was. 
And then the other day, this was Friday, I go to look at Instagram Friday night and I see that my Instagram account is no longer there. And so I go and I had our daughter look at her Instagram account and she said, look, and it was my, all of my pictures were there, all of my followers and the people I follow, but it was somebody else's name. It was no longer Promise 50. It was some other name. And then I looked and it was at a Russian email server. So uh, there's not a whole lot that Instagram puts out there that helps you to figure out what to do. But fortunately, there's people in social media at ESPN that I was able to get in touch with them and we were able to figure it out. So Saturday, um, I was able to recover my Instagram account. But this is after I went into my email account and, you know, you can see if an email has been read or not already read. And two of my emails came up that I had not looked at yet having been read. So I realized, okay, my email account has also been hacked. So I got to go and change all those passwords and do whatever in there. Did you feel violated? I, 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 I felt violated, yes. But one of the things that was interesting is when I Googled, um, you know, Instagram accounts getting hacked, it, it looked like it has been happening very frequently always from a Russian email server, not Russian like you and me, R-U-S-H-I-N, but R-U-S-S-I-A-N. I'm an, I'm an entirely different kind of Russian hack. Yes, exactly. Um, that nothing is posted, nothing is deleted, nothing malicious happens. It's almost just like their way of showing you that they indeed can hack you. I think we've had a pretty good idea of that for the last couple of years. Right, but. right, exactly. Well, this is just, it's hit home more than ever this past week. So, All right. So I fixed my Instagram account. So the next thing I got to, you know, fix my email account. And then it was like, all right, you fixed your Instagram account. You fixed your email account. We're going to continue to show you that we're one step ahead of you. So then I, I find out that my Amazon account has been hacked. So then I have to deal. And this, I'm finding all this out on Saturday morning. I've just coached a bunch of games. I'm losing my voice. And I have, I'm getting ready to go to the airport so that I can fly to Texas to call a game. And so I'm doing all this damage control on a, on a limited amount of time and thinking, when I land in Austin, what the heck else am I going to find out is hacked? Did they put and like three dozen uh, cases of frozen white nothing. castles in your shopping cart <laughs> right. on Amazon? Right. Maybe they're, they're listeners of the podcast over in Russia. We do have some in Russia, actually. But um, yeah, each time that that they hacked into my account, they didn't do anything malicious that I'm aware of anyway. Well, the and, hacking is malice. Of course. And so yesterday, that's, you know, calling my credit card companies, any 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 of my accounts like Amazon or whatever that I had a credit card associated with, it, it just, it's, it's a big time suck for me because now I have to call all the, the credit card companies and change my credit cards and do all kinds of stuff to fix this problem. None of, so, which, none of which is helping your instrument for your next broadcast. <laughs> right, exactly. My or, or for this podcast, as you can hear how strained my voice is right now. So I, I'm just waiting for whatever the next thing is going to be. It's like a game of cat and mouse, except it's, you know, I don't know who always wins in that. Is it the cat? Because I realize that, you know, they, they, I am at their mercy. I understand that. And I have been at their mercies for the past however many days just trying to fix whatever <laughs> whatever they're doing with my various accounts. So uh so if anyone sees anything going crazy with their Instagram account, um just know that you're in a long line of lots of fun people that this is happening to. Well speaking of email accounts and internet security, we get emails, viewer mails sent to ballandchainpod at gmail.com and those Gmail 
uh, account has little auto replies. If people have Gmail accounts, little auto replies at the bottom, and maybe maybe other email servers have this as well. But we'll get a nice moving, uh, poignant, uh, heartfelt email, and at the bottom, with a click of a button, you can choose from three replies. Thanks, got it, or I'll get back to you on that. And I'm wondering, does anybody actually use these? Somebody sends you an email about uh, their child or or some uh, you know some moving experience they've had, and and you're going to click on thanks, got it, I'll get back to you on that. Would anybody not recognize this as an absurd uh, form reply? <laughs> you know who uses that all the time? Is all of your editors at the various places that you, you know, send that's true. stuff. Thanks, got it. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime but, you, but, you send in anything that you've written, the beauty is you, it doesn't matter if it's a book that you've spent a year on or can, a column that you've spent a week on. The reply is always... Got it. Thanks. Thanks. Got it. Whatever it is. The beauty of sending in like a 90,000 word manuscript is not hearing anything because the person does have to then sit down and read it over a period of days or weeks. But it is nice to hear an immediate reply. Not not thanks. Got it. But um, oh, I look forward to reading this or just acknowledging receipt of it is is nice. So I guess maybe that's what that function serves as. Thanks. Got it. Yeah. Well, I've, I've actually uh, never even noticed that at the bottom of uh of my Gmail account that there's those auto replies there. So uh, that's good but, to know. But, but it's not good to know because the auto replies in some cases also sort of suggest that their bot at the very least is reading your emails. Right. Because it's, it's coming up with a judging by the content of the email that you received before you've even read it, they've read it and they're coming up with, you know, a menu of replies. Well, the, the, if anyone has the notion that it's not being read, that's ridiculous. I mean, the well, New York Times story just from yesterday about you know, our phones basically tracking everywhere we go and and, the, and people being able to use that function for, you know, a variety of reasons just shows you that, uh, you know, we're not doing anything, we're not writing anything, we're probably not saying anything that, uh, especially if you have an Alexa in your house, Alexa, stop listening. I mean, everybody knows what everybody's doing in, in some capacity. But, but- and the response to everything, to all of your privacy, is that somebody wants to steal something of yours or wants to sell something to you. Isn't that the bottom line of, of everything? Yeah. Last week, I was on a conference call for one of the boards that I'm on. And uh, and this was just like out of nowhere, but it made me smile as I'm on this conference call. And uh, a guy, one of the guys on the call was just making an example of... Of something and, and hiring somebody and he said um, as an ex- for, uh, for instance that he used was you know if uh, if your boiler explodes you going to need to have somebody come fix the boiler and I just love the fact that after all this conversation that we've had about the fact about boilers and that we don't have a boiler and how much it upset your brother that we were talking about a boiler that we don't have and other people and other people people were upset that we didn't know that we didn't have a boiler was that this was the example that was used on a conference call by a guy who lives in Connecticut presumably in a house that's not 150 years old that I think maybe it is that people around here just call stuff a boiler when it's not a boiler you got a bill with boiler repair on it on it for a house that doesn't have a boiler. And um, speaking of your brother, for those, uh, a special Christmas treat, holiday treat that we have for all of our listeners, at the end of the podcast, finally, the long-awaited single... Drops. Drops. 
Riding on My Stingray. Tom, it, Dick, and Harry. Tom, Dick, and Harry. It's available on iTunes. I've already paid the 99 cents and downloaded uh, it from iTunes. I was I've listening to it, listening to it in the car yesterday. It's really a great song and super catchy. Um, Somebody already already replied on uh, on Twitter that it, it has a strong America, America the band, America vibe, like, you know, Ventura Highway kind of 70s. And it is uh, kind of inspired by uh, our 70s childhood, riding our Stingray knockoffs around uh, our suburban subdevelopment but so, so, well, Amer- an america vibe is a good vibe and, and, and i texted that to, to tom i said i said this guy on twitter said uh, he's getting a strong america vibe uh, and tom said that's kind of what we were going for and he, he said we're making america america the band we're making america great again <laughs> and if well, people could just have seen your air quotes when you did that but, but uh, it, it is a great song it's a great song i encourage all of our listeners to download it from itunes but we'll play it for but our our gift to you uh, this holiday season is going to be to uh have it in full at the end of this podcast but we still encourage you to download it and that's, that shouldn't be our only gift this holiday season because somebody and i wish i had it in front of me maybe you do as the as the curator of the ball and chain twitter account I hate that. Everybody's a curator of something these days. Like it's the Metropolitan Museum of Art. But uh, somebody they sent are? us. Hold yes, on. Yes, yes. Everybody, the, the verb curating is, is everywhere and it's silly. But uh, what are you I like to curate my own, my own social media feed. Anyway. No, no, no. Let's, let's, let's keep going. What are you a curator of then? I'm a curator of my own sock drawer. <laughs> you, you, sometimes when you, put, when you put your mind to it, you have an impressive sock drawer. Well, thank you. What else? What else are you a curator of? Uh, I'm a curator of my baseball card collection in the unfinished part of the basement, moldering over there somewhere. I, I don't really. Could I be? Could I be considered? Could a curator of our family? Like, could that be? Uh, I mean, you're selecting kids, getting rid of some, and and and, and putting mm-hmm. others in there. I, I certainly hope not, but but perhaps you could. Um, what but I was what I was going to say was. Writing um, uh, on my stingray isn't the only gift that you can give this holiday season, because as I think it was our resident educator in Indiana. I, I'm not positive about that, but somebody on on Twitter sent us um, a photograph of their local gas station, and the marquee said, "Give oh, the yeah, gift of gas." Oh yeah, it was our resident educator. He G- said, "What? Give the gift of gas." And she was wondering, "Is this a gift that I would be willing to give you this holiday season?" That was it. Was I think that was at the pump, right? It was uh, at the pump. Yes. At the pump, you know, the and neon marquee was... where it, where it invites you to buy hot dogs and coffee. Yeah, it, it, said, it also wants you to buy gift cards. But yes, gift give the gift of gas. Would you enjoy that if I gave you a a, a gas card? <laughs> <laughs> Remember, you know that would actually be if you if if your gift to me was not gas but a gas card that would be a pretty good gift i wouldn't hate that gift how would it help you in any way because all you're doing is substituting your credit card for the gas card it would just mean i'm paying for your gas yeah, that but, month but since since all of my credit cards probably have been stolen by this point and That's at their true. limits i'm going to need to live for the next few months solely on gift cards and, and if you if my credit's going to be destroyed and if you no longer have your instrument I I I could give you the gift of gab if right. only I could. <laughs> what if I what if I lost my instrument? All of my credit cards were maxed out. You know that that would not be a good way to start 2019. I have no doctor appointment. <laughs> like I I should just skip 2019 altogether. I should just wait for everyone, including my own 2020 calendar, to open. Just pull the covers and, up and tell people. Have your outgoing voicemail say, "I'm booked for 20. I'm not accepting any." 
Any assignments for 2019? I'm, I'm booked for 2019. I'll let you know when my 2020 calendar opens. I kind of Mom, I kinda what's for like dinner? What's for dinner? <laughs> I'm booked for 2019. And my 2020 isn't open yet. Your father is curating dinner for the next year. <laughs> Speaking of 2019 and 2020, I had a, a throwback to, I don't know, 2000 experience. When I, when I was in Austin this weekend and I checked into my hotel and I had the the guy who checked me and asked me something that I haven't been asked in so, I don't know how many years. At the hotel, the guy checks you in. At yes. the grocery, the guy checks you out, yes. right? It's usually a woman who checks me out at the grocery. The, was yes. the guy checking you out while he was checking you in? I would have to think, of course he was. So I'm checking in, and the guy said to me words that I haven't heard in years have when you checking shrunk? into a hotel. What's are you, that? Are you 6'2"? Are <laughs> no. What would be the other thing that... You used to hear every single time you checked into hotel and you don't hear at all anymore. Smoking or not? <laughs> no, but close to that. He said, would you like a wake-up call? Nobody asks you no, anymore if you'd like a wake-up call because no one gets wake-up calls because everybody has a, an alarm built into their phone. And so you know when you're in the hotel room where the alarm goes off at 6 a.m. that no, the person who stayed there before you didn't accidentally reset it. Somebody set that on purpose just because they, they want to make the next person wake up ridiculously early. Or the ball bearing salesman in the room adjacent to you whose headboard is right. up against your headboard through a half an inch of, of drywall. Right. His alarm goes off at 5.30 a.m. Right, right. That's always lovely. So... uh so no, want, would you like a wake-up call? And I said, no, thank you. But, um, but thank you for bringing me back to 2004. That's just, you know, something you don't hear anymore. Since we're on the topic of my travels, I, uh, in Austin, I had an opportunity to ride in an Uber. So I think it's time, it's been a while, for an Uber driver confession. He drives part-time, it's not his chosen profession, but it gives him a chance to share his life's lessons. It's time for the segment we call Uber Confessions. So the guy pulls up to the curb at the Austin airport. I've got about a 15 to 20 minute ride ahead of me. And this is my question. I get in the car and Steve, it reeked of garlic. Like, it, not even just garlic. It reeked of some kind of spicy food, and it was not pleasant. It was gross. But I couldn't, at that point, get out of the car. I couldn't say, you know, obviously if the guy, if it reeked of alcohol, no question I would have gotten out of the car. Was the if, driver actively eating? <laughs> no, he wasn't actively eating. Was he passively eating? He was not passively eating. And if eating. so, how does one passively eat? He, he, was, not, he was not using his... Intravenous... Uh, his food bag as he was, a... Uh, he wasn't having garlic bread from an, from an IV bag. No. Okay. And he wasn't using his food bag as a napkin. He The car just reeked. It reeked. And so I'm in the car for, you know, 15 minutes and I just... It smells disgusting. And then when I get out of the car, I'm wondering, do I now smell disgusting? Because I had like my, my down coat on because I had come from Connecticut where it was really cold. And like, it, it, I don't know if this is true, but my down coat, just looking at it because it's soft and, and fluffy and comfy, it just looks like a coat that would absorb whatever smell is around it. A garlic sponge. Yeah, yes, exactly. A garlic sponge. But, not, but even worse, like an old, gross garlic sponge. 
but yeah so I, I what should i have done should i have gotten out and and requested a, a new uber because this one reeked the guy was pleasant oh and i also couldn't talk so i got in the car and so not be rude i i whispered the best i could i just said i can't talk i'm losing my voice and then 10 minutes later he starts talking to me and I can't, I don't want to waste my voice. So I'm just like looking in the rear view mirror, hoping to make eye contact, like nodding and shaking my head. And he's... You should have placed both index fingers in, in both ears. Right. I should have. If only should... I, if only it was the guy I had in Minnesota who had all the Q-tips on, right. on, his, uh, on his dashboard. I could have just taken two handfuls of Q-tips and plugged them in my ears. Or, or you could have taken the, the little uh, whiteboard and... and grease marker that he uses when he goes to the airport and writes, you know, Lobo on it and holds it up at the at the gate. You could have taken that from him and just written messages to him on that saying, excuse me, I've lost my instrument. Have you, have you ever ridden in an Uber? They don't have a grease board. They don't write your name on it and meet you in the airport. But anyway, yes, I, that's what I should have said. Instead of I don't have a voice, I said I lost my instrument. And then he would have like sometimes gotten out of the car, helped me look for my look, trumpet. He, he'd have looked in the trunk, yes, because sometimes people do leave like a Stradivarius in a New York well, City taxi. But especially, I was in Austin. So a bunch of the, the people I saw the, the next day when I was flying back home had their guitar or their different carrying cases for a variety of instruments because, of course, of the big music scene there. M- meanwhile, you and Ryan Rucco <laughs> were traveling with, wearing large turtlenecks, warming your, your, warming instruments, our your, instruments. your instrument cases. Anyway, um, anyway, that was my that's my Uber driver confession. I, I need to know what to do next time. Like. <laughs> Maybe I should just start traveling with like an air freshener, but the aerosol kind. If I get in the car and just start spraying it all over, if it reeks like that, it was, it was rancid. So, so maybe, maybe that's why the guy who checked me in at the hotel, maybe I smelled so bad that he, um, it, he, he, he was completely out of sorts. And that's why he asked me if I needed a wake, <laughs> wake up call because he hadn't smelled somebody who smelled like that since 2004. Would you like a wake wake up call? You need to get up 15 minutes early to shower tomorrow morning. <laughs> uh, speaking of travel, I don't think we've mentioned this in the last couple of podcasts. Sometime in the last two weeks, I sent out some swag and we sent swag to West Virginia, one of two remaining states, leaving us one holdout that I, I, I strangely admire this state. We've sent swag to several countries overseas, to Canada, and to Washington, D.C., to 49 states, but our lone holdout and the winner of whatever mythical contest we were having to see who likes us the least or who dislikes us the most is Delaware. That's, I can't believe that. You know what, you know what kind of bothers me about that most of all is my colleague and friend, Pam Ward, has a place in Delaware. And she spends a fair amount of time in Delaware. Does she need a fridge magnet? I don't know. Does the place whether, have a fridge? Whether or not she and needs a fridge magnet, we're going to send a fridge magnet to Pam Ward at her Delaware address if she'll if she'll give it to me. I, she doesn't need to give it to me. I'll just um, geotrack her phone. You know, I'll, I'll go find out from the New York Times article how to geotrack find, her phone. I'll get her address and I'll just go there and place it on her fridge. Find out what street her grocery store is on and we can leave it for her there. <laughs> exactly. We have a second gift for our listeners, a second holiday gift for our listeners. We, you know, they know that they've got the Tom, Dick and Harry song riding on my stingray at the end of the podcast, but we have another, another installment of Denny's old curiosity shop. Who, who knows how many gifts are inside that shop? Let's, let's go browsing. Let's, uh, let's open the doors and, and let the boy meet world. When this boy meets world
when I open them, I'm I, I, I'm hearing creaking hinges when I open Denny's email. Denny's email this week is simply titled The Shop, two P's and an E. <laughs> so, uh, so Denny with one N uh, opens the shop with two P's. And Denny writes, this bar goes nuts for a Chris Collinsworth slide in. Now explain this to listeners. Or not. <laughs> when Al Michaels calls Sunday Night Football with Chris Collinsworth, He's, they always open with a single shot of Al talking about what's to come. And then at some point during his talk, Chris Collinsworth slides into the picture, right? right. Slides Maybe. into the frame and joins him to make the two-man booth. And so apparently this has become a big thing in certain places on the internet. People love the Chris Collinsworth slide-in. And we'll, I'll try to post the link of this. I've been bad on our, our Twitter account. i got to be more active on our, on our Twitter account. Um, but I will, I will find a link to, to the Chris Collinsworth slide-in so people can watch and see what we're talking about. But um, it's become a thing. People enjoy watching Chris Collinsworth sliding in after Al Michaels has talked. And, and I don't know if this is legend or I don't know if this is true, but I've heard in the past that Al Michaels has it written into his contract that he gets to be in a one shot for however much time to start a show. So, you know, normally when you'd come on air, like if we're doing a basketball game and, and if we come on air and they show the announce booth, it's the two of us or three of us that are there. It's not just the play by play guy in his one shot before you wide, you know, pan out to, to everybody who's there. But legend has it that Al Michaels in his contract has it that he gets a one shot for however long and uh, and that may be the reason for the Chris well, Collinsworth slide in. I, I certainly hope that's the case because Al Michaels has has earned it. Um, uh, but what Denny is asking is, do you have a signature? Would you like one of those signature sort of uh, cold open things? Maybe maybe dropped by crane into into the middle of a three person. <laughs> no, uh, or, or even, popping up like like yes. a whack a mole. No, it'd be much better to be to to come up like in the the a Broadway floor, like a stage right, floor. Yes. To come up pyro it's like when bill walton when he was um i don't know if he still does it but when he was having back issues when he would call games he was in a, like a really high chair like a throne Not that a would high be chair. that would be cool that's what i would like put me in a high chair where my feet are dangling like that kind of a high chair and then the people i'm working with especially if it's a three-person booth and like if it's uh, adam amin and carol lawson with me they are in a regular chair so I'm, I'm like way above them and they're in a regular chair. When I work with Ryan Rucco in the summertime, Ryan sits on usually a couple cushions because, you know, just to even out our height a little bit. Even though you're shrinking at an alarming rate. <laughs> even though I'm shrinking. You two haven't yet met in the yeah, middle. Yeah, uh, that would be maybe maybe like a, uh, a moonwalk. They, they show me moonwalking into the shot Hologram. and then I just, sit you down. You just appear like, like I Dream of Genie, those special effects where it's, it's you're too or one partner on the broadcast, and suddenly you just appear through, that, you know. That, yeah, like one of them snaps their fingers, yeah, and then you're there. Absolutely. I would like that, that would be too. awesome, and not well, very difficult to pull off. Well, our, our the, the one who would like that the most would be our eight-year-old. She was the one, <laughs> before I was flying out to do the uh, UConn game at Notre Dame, the biggest game of the year to that point, one versus two, She she hates when I leave, and she just said to me, can't they just dress somebody to look like you and let them call the game and you can stay home with me? 
And I just started laughing. I said, no, they can't just dress somebody. Although now you it's... You could feed that person Cyrano de Bergerac style, um, you know, the lines. And, and now it would be much easier to do that because it used to be, if they did that, they'd have to find a 6'4 woman. Now they only have to find a woman who's 6'2 and a half. That expands the pool exponentially. And, and, and you don't have a voice, so it could be anybody. Right. It, it truly could be anybody. Denny writes also that he just saw Aaron Sorkin's adaptation of To Kill a Mockingbird on Broadway. He's a real man about town, Denny, these days. Um, it was tremendous. If you get a chance, go see it, Denny writes. Steve, which one of your books do you think would be best adapted into a play of some kind, a live stage play? I don't I don't know. Uh, hmm, uh, it would be hard to... Uh, it would... Probably not the 34-ton bat. I'm guessing that would not no, be the best stage um, play. Uh, you know, I think Stingray Afternoons could be adapted to screen or stage, but um, but I, I'm interested in Aaron Sorkin's To Kill a Mockingbird. Are there a lot of sort of walkie-talkie scenes with the walk Scout and, and Jem, the walk and talk, as in the West Wing? I don't you're, know, you're, you're a connoisseur I, of the West Wing. I've watched every episode of the West Wing. I love I loved the West Wing. I really like Aaron Sorkin. Sports Night, he did Sports Night, which was a takeoff on... Um, on Sports Center back in back in the heyday, I really like Sports Night. What's his uh, the one he did for HBO? The Newsroom. That was Aaron Sorkin, right? Right. right. I love and, the Newsroom. And the, the Facebook movie. Yeah, we should um we should get tickets to that. That's that'd be a great Christmas present. You could get us tickets to go see uh, To Kill a Mockingbird on on Broadway. What if I've already purchased you the gift of gas? <laughs> well, you can you can give me the gift of gas to help us get to uh, to get to see that. But um, and need I remind you that you you already asked me uh, for a, a Christmas present, really told me what to get you, and that was perhaps perhaps because of your recent uh, uh, brushes with with hacking, that was a document shredder. Oh, that's true. I did ask you to get me a uh, a document <laughs> shredder. I for, totally forgot that I asked for that. And now you no longer want it. No, I still I do still want. See, I'm a practical gift asker. Like I asked for things I, the other day, I went and I, I I had a piece of paper that I wanted to shred, and uh, I realized our shredder has been broken for two years, and so I said, you know what, that would be a good Christmas present. Can you get me a document shredder? It's practical. And lastly, Denny says he's going to be in Los Angeles and Las Vegas this week. Do you guys have any suggestions of things I have to do or eat? First uh, of all, he he was he was at To Kill a Mockingbird on Broadway. This week he's going to be in Las Vegas and Los Angeles. No, no, that, he this week he has to be. He has to be. He has to be. And, well, and are there any suggestion of what he has to do or eat? This is this is my one suggestion based on a story Denny told us many many podcasts ago. What I would say he has to do in particular in Las Vegas is is not sleep in the hotel lobby because he was talking about how his brother's wedding I think Philadelphia he he slept in the hotel lobby. He, he I would could, prefer young Denny for you to sleep in your room or I've, someone's room just I've, not in the lobby i've mentioned this line in that context on a previous podcast but he could actually do this in las vegas the 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 song by cracker i was having a good sleep in my car in the parking lot of the showboat casino hotel he could do that he could sleep in his car in the parking lot of the showboat casino hotel i don't know if the showboat is still standing probably not he, he he'd be all right so I, i'm okay with him sleeping in his car i just don't want him passing out in the lobby because i don't know what what things can happen to young denny but the other thing when you're in la uh la my favorite thing in L.A. is go for a walk slash hike slash jog in Runyon Canyon. It's my absolute favorite spot to go. I, I don't know. I went there for the first time maybe 20 years ago, 15 years ago. But um, I think last year, Ryan Rucco and I, because we were calling a, a L.A. Sparks playoff game, this must have been in 2017, 
we went for a hike in Runyon Canyon and it's just beautiful. It's spectacular. It's a great workout. So Denny, go to Runyon Canyon and don't pass out in a hotel lobby. And and if he really wants a, an historical tour of Los Angeles, he could visit uh, for lunch, kill two birds with one stone, uh, visit Jerry's famous deli in Westwood and, and ask for the booth where our then one-year-old, now 13-year-old, climbed up out of her stroller at lunch, crashed through the little plastic barrier that face was holding planted, her in, face yeah. planted and required uh, medical attention for, for the gash above her eye. Yeah, she was bleeding pretty good there. And uh, the the la- the other thing he should do is he should go to uh, what's the name of the ranch where you could ride the bull? The restaurant. Oh, Saddle um, Ranch. Yeah, go to Saddle Ranch, ride the mechanical bull. I thought you were saying what's the name of the ranch outside of Las Vegas? I, I think that's where you could ride the bull. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that's where poor Lamar Odom ended up. That's... But uh, but anyway, go there, ride Saddle the ranch mechanical next bull to, next to the Rock and Roll Hyatt on Sunset where Led Zeppelin uh, used to stay as their West Coast base. When Led Zeppelin played concerts west of the Mississippi, they would stay in Los Angeles. They'd fly in for the concert, fly immediately out after the concert, and stay at the uh, Sunset Riot House So this is next, your, to, next to the comedy store. This is your itinerary for L.A., Denny. Go to Runyon Canyon, get yourself a little workout. Go to Saddle Ranch, ride the mechanical bull, and then eat. Go to the top floor of the... Uh, there's a pool on top of the Sunset Hyatt, you can go up there and recreate the uh, Robert Plant uh, scene that was that was kind of uh, uh, adapted for the uh, uh, almost famous movie and, and stand on top there and yell, I am a golden god. I think Denny should do that. I did that while you were sick uh, in the room one, one night, if you recall. I do. It's time to close the doors on the Curiosity Shop and open the emails and tweets from Viewer Mail. <laughs> So this this first email comes to our Gmail account, which is ballandchainpod at gmail.com. This is from my friend Matthew. He said, so I run a bar and we opened a new game room. The music situation isn't ideal, so we use phones and Spotify to play music. I have an iPhone X, which, as you know doesn't have an auxiliary port, and your phone needs to play music on our system. When it was discovered that music wouldn't work with my phone, and we had a bar full of people, I threw out a, quote, I have a dongle. Nobody knew what it was. I got some looks and chuckles, especially since I'm a gay man shouting, I have a dongle in a bar, and then I had to explain. It was equal parts embarrassing and empowering. In short, you contributed to both of those emotions, so thank you heard from a lot of people about our uh, favorite Christmas songs. I think that was in the Curiosity Shop last week. Denny asked what our favorite Christmas songs were. He offered his, you offered yours, I offered mine. Brian writes, Merry Christmas to all the Russians, Lobos, and Gallaghers. Let's start with Denny. Your choices of Christmas favorite Christmas songs were uninspiring, as if you googled favorite Christmas songs. Rebecca, you can never go wrong with Bruce's Santa Claus. Steve, I would have put money on you being a fan of Shane and Chrissy's Ode to the Big Apple, Fairy Tale of New York. A classic no matter the season. I was most impressed with Christmas rapping. For me, the season does not officially start until you hear that song by The Waitresses. I've heard it a bunch since. And of course, I had questions last time if I knew that song. Of course I know that song and I hear it constantly. But he says the uh, what others have said to me, and they're absolutely right. And I was going to bring this up even if I had not heard from him. He says, I must admit I was disappointed there was no one mentioning Bing and Bowie singing Little Drummer Boy. Of course, the Bing Crosby, David Bowie, classic, weird mashup. Little Drummer Boy of Der Bingle and uh, 
and Bowie. Ziggy Sardust. It's, uh... I remember the first time I heard Little Drummer Boy as a little girl, um, Little Drummer Girl. It wasn't this version, but I remember distinctly the first time I heard the Little Drummer Boy and listened to the words, just having chills go up and down my body. And I still love that song. And that's my favorite version of that song. Well, Dan in Milwaukee also sent me a video. I don't know if we can get that up, but, but uh, I think it was a Funny or Die video. It was Will Ferrell and and uh, John Riley doing uh, <laughs> doing. Riley as as Bing and Will as as Bowie and it's 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 also strangely <laughs> I beautiful. Seen that, it's, uh, but just the two of those those two guys in the same video, first of all. But I can't wait to see it. It's That's very funny. Be John C. Riley, by the way, is is uh, in a new movie with Steve Coogan, my favorite Steve Coogan. Uh, they play Laurel and Hardy, sort of at the end of their careers in the late 1950s. They were touring around with no money, and the sort of whole silent comedy thing had passed them by, and. Uh, I can't wait to see that. That's going to have to be my next racket. If my if my instrument doesn't heal, and if I completely lose my instrument, I'm going to have to bring back silent comedy. Absolutely, but but Brian writes he writes beautifully. He says, in a way that little Bing and Bowie, little drummer boy, in a way it shows the true meaning of Christmas, despite our differences. And you can't get much different than Father O'Malley and Ziggy Stardust. We can do beautiful things together. Hope you have a happy and healthy holiday. He adds a P.S. Check out Natalie Merchant's. Children Go Where I Ascend Thee. It's on a very special Christmas 3 and does not get the credit it deserves. In fact, we listened to a different version of Children Go Where I Ascend Thee right before we went on this podcast, and it was it was fantastic. And the reason we listened to the different version is because we asked You Know Who. Her name starts with an A and ends with an A. We asked her to play that version, and instead she... I don't know if, if other people's You Know Who... I'm trying not to trigger anybody's... Uh, what would we call it? A-L-E-X-A. Yeah, anybody else's A-L-E-X-A. When you ask her to play a, a song from a certain artist, and at least ours very often chooses this that song, but from a different artist and absolutely not the version you want to hear. So shame on you, A-L-E-X-A. And I should say, my friend Dan also uh, added to this list of great Christmas songs and his family in Milwaukee. They have a special affection for the Ramones' Merry Christmas, I Don't Want to Fight Tonight, which is a great song. Also, you can YouTube it, the Ramones' Merry Christmas, I Don't Want to Fight Tonight. And my, I heard on the radio, listening to the holiday channels as we drive to and from school, uh, I heard Do They Know It's Christmas Time, and I had forgotten the absurd <laughs> Bono line in it that is just unbelievable, the line, Tonight, thank God it's them instead of you. This is the stog about the Feed chil- the world. The, children are starving. starving children, and tonight, yes. get on your knees and thank God that those children are starving and not you. <laughs> 30-year-old Bono. Well, and Bono's a gifted uh, songwriter. He probably And a giving person. He probably could have tweaked that He that takes care of his, of his instrument. Yes, he does. This one comes from Twitter, which is, again, our, our handle on Twitter is at Ball and Chain Pod from Chris. Rebecca, how do you and your broadcast partner decide the side of the announce table you sit? So how do we decide which side of the announce think, table? Well, first of all, we're not sitting this, on the court side yeah, I was of it. Say, this, the side <laughs> facing the court, I yes, think, would be we're better. we're going to be facing the court. But um, the play-by-play is always the the left, the far left. Why? And then, um, I don't know why, but that's just the way it's always been done, and, and that's where they're... What would happen if you reverse it? You should have a special week of games where the play-by-play well, sits on the right and just see what happens. Well, it's there's kind of an order of things, because actually the play-by-play, 
isn't the the farthest person. The farthest person is the stats person. And this so, is o- this is only in the northern hemisphere. If you're <laughs> calling games in Australia, it's all reversed. It's completely different. So you have a stats person who has a stats monitor, and they are um, feeding us, you know, writing down stuff on paper and, and, and sending it down throughout the game. You know, the team is on this run, or this has happened, or, you know, this is the career high of this person or whatever. So the stats person is is there in front of the stats monitor. So if they were at the other end of the table, it would be a problem because the other end of the table doesn't have a stats monitor. So you get the stats person play by play. Then in a three-person booth, like when we do it with uh, me and Kara, it goes Adam, Kara, and then me. Um, I don't know if any thought at all goes into the order. Um, I sure didn't give it any thought and don't care. This past weekend, it was, it was Adam, Coach Landers, and me, and that's the order that we had the table again. And Coach Landers was, was raised up from the floor. <laughs> he, he ascended into the broadcast table. <laughs> yeah, he, he drove in on his, on his rascal scooter. Yes. And then he was unicycle, Red Panda's unicycle. He was spinning <laughs> right. plates. Exactly. By the way, Red Panda uh, was at the UConn-Notre uh, Dame game. That, he didn't tell that, me that. Yeah, Red Panda he was He buried there. the lead. I know. I sh- I, Red I, Panda, earlier this year in January, Red Panda, for those who don't know, is a halftime, basketball halftime performer, extraordinary acrobat, uh, spins plates, rides her 25-foot-tall unicycle. 25 feet tall. It's very tall. So it's very tall. And a $25,000 unicycle because she had it stolen from the San Francisco airport earlier this year. Police were looking for a man uh, juggling plates in a frantic <laughs> speed chase. It was it the Golden State Warriors that that purchased her a new one. Somebody, I believe a, so. A, yeah, sports team purchased her a new unicycle. So a I don't know set, if a, Ka- a new set of wheels. I, like <laughs> I don't know if Kara has given any thought to to where she sits. I I just sit in whatever seats available. But but now that 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 has been established, it goes Adam and then uh, and then Kara and, and, then and if God forbid something happens to Adam's instrument. It's the person sit, sitting immediately to him who moves into the play-by-play role, and it just goes down the line yeah, like that. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's an order, the succession order. Right. Okay. To a ball and chain pod at gmail.com, uh, Lauren writes, uh, our resident educator, Hey, Rebecca and Steve, just had one of those weekends when I doubted my parental ability and just basically said to heck with it. I wallowed and then got back in the saddle. We've all had those moments. I have three kids, two boys that have ADHD, and one of them is giving us a devil of a time. How do you handle five kids? I mean four kids. Sorry, Steve crying emoji. Is there a special meditation you do or how much alcohol to make the mom, 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 mom stop? Thanks. Resident educator on the edge and needs three weeks and needs these three weeks to fly by. You know what, it, you know what she needs? She needs to uh, to let everyone know her 2019 calendar is full and she hasn't yet opened 2020. That's what, that's what Lauren uh, needs. I think Lauren needs just to hold up for three more weeks. And I have a feeling my fingers are crossed. She's going to get the gift of gas that she suggested I give you. Yeah, I, that is that is challenging. Sometimes, uh, you know, she or if she could find a way, it's hard as an educator. But if she could find a way in her job that maybe every month or every two months she has to go on a road trip somewhere where she's at a hotel with a wake up call and origami Kleenex, but is away from her children overnight, it might be good therapy for her. I kid you not, the three auto replies that I could have offered Lauren at the bottom of this Gmail are, yes, we can do that for you. I will look into this and get back to you. And I don't, sorry. <laughs> I don't, sorry. That would be a, that would be a lovely one. So but Rebecca, in, do you have a remedy? In, I don't, sorry. In all honesty to Lauren, that is the reason that I wake up early in the morning and do my exercise. I need my... 40 minutes where I have no one's voice, none of our children asking me for anything, where I don't have you saying anything to me. And like to wake up, that's that would be my meditation is waking up and having silence for 40 minutes 
before the the onslaught of of requests and demands starts with our children. So Bob in New Hampshire writes, and I, I love this. He encloses a photograph. Uh, Rebecca and Steve, we've recently discovered your podcast. My wife Michelle and I are enjoying getting caught up as we travel to our daughter's basketball events. One's a sophomore at Ithaca College, one a sophomore at Tilton School. The attached picture was sent to me by our then 10-year-old the day after Halloween. Please note the lower right corner where she offers up the sacrificial lamb. And there's a photograph of her daughter, 10-year-old daughter's Bob's 10-year-old daughter's, uh, then 10-year-old daughter's Halloween candy, sorted, organized by brand. And there's a note that says, I will know if you took any, two exclamation marks. A little PS in the lower right corner. You can have the baby Ruths. <laughs> Brilliant. It tells you so much about that little 10-year-old's personality. A, in that she sorted the candy. B, in that she probably made an inventory, took inventory of the candy, knows, will, will let you know that she knows this stuff. So if you take anything, but finally, she's also a giving person, but you can have the Baby Ruth. Actually, Baby Ruth, I think, is an underrated candy bar. Uh, it's not, I still it's not good. I still say it's better than Snickers. People don't agree with me on that, but I'm a fan well, of the Baby on Ruth. on the subject, and this is our last viewer mail. To, no, no, I've got oh, one more. Oh, you've got one more. Okay. Yep. On the subject, I'm sorry. Hello, my friends. Whoppers, Whopper Juniors, and Sloppy Joes have been great topics for discussion lately. As a husband who has been trained to get napkins with fast food and who keeps a few in the car door pocket, I have to support Rebecca regarding the foolish use of a food bag as a napkin absent an emergency. Of course, since many husbands can't remember to get napkins, an emergency invariably occurs. At one hospital at which I practice, along with lunch and breakfast being served, there are various drinks, coffees, and sweets available. Attached is a photograph of what was out on a Sunday afternoon. This is in a doctor's lounge at a hospital somewhere in the South, sent to us by Dr. Gary Siegel, our resident OBGYN. And it's a photograph of a glass bowl filled with malted milk balls and a spoon. <laughs> Just that touch of class, I think. Well, the, the, the one place that they're very, uh, they're very aware of germs is in hospitals. And so they don't want people digging their hands into the malted milk balls. They want them spooning them out and putting them in their hands. I, I think this answers our questions. It's doctors who face backwards on the scale, and they, <laughs> they've transferred that, transferred that to patients. Also, I've read that, that the filthiest, germiest things that in existence are doctors' neckties, and this is why doctors tend not to wear them anymore, and, and the magazines in doctors' waiting rooms. Oh, I thought you were going to say phones, because, of course, phones are pretty filthy. Well, that's all, right. all I got. This is, this is my, last, uh, my last viewer mail. This, again, comes from Twitter. This is from Jeff. He said, just saw a guy with double phone holsters on his belt. Oh, awesome. He moved too fast for me to get a picture. Then he hashtags it, all business. I don't, I still haven't been able to wear, I, I was going to do that experiment. It was a couple months ago where I, wore awesome. the, where I wore the phone holster, but I can't wear the phone holster because on the back of my phone case, I have one of those uh, like credit card wallets that you put stuff in. And so it then won't fit in the phone holster, but um no, it would be fun. I should just wear two phone holsters, but with nothing in them. No, don't, two, don't put my phone in them. Just wear the holsters. Just wear two phone holsters and a fanny pack. In fact, we got a viewer mail. Uh, the author didn't want it read on air, uh, so I won't identify her or anything, him or her. But uh, 
somebody she knew had gone to Las Vegas and you won't identify him or her, but somebody she knew. Somebody she knew. <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. I won't identify her. Uh, his husband, I think, went to Las Vegas and returned with a photograph of uh, flanked by two Las Vegas showgirls, presumably in full showgirl regalia, which is very little. Uh, but the one one of the showgirls was wearing a silver lame fanny pack. Do you think she was wearing it uh, the traditional way, or do you think she was wearing it as the bandolier? I, I don't know. I, I, I'd like to see that photo, but well, well, perhaps that, we'll never know. There you go, Daddy. That's what you need to do in Vegas. You need to find the showgirls wearing the fanny pack, take a photo, and let us know exactly how that looked. But, but while, while we still have a few listeners here, I want to do justice to Tom, Dick, and Harry's uh, new single, you know, you know them from our theme song. They've got many other songs, and they've just dropped this new single, Riding on My Stingray. We'll put the lyrics out there at some point in case Tom's not enunciating, but I think this is my favorite song of theirs. It's a fantastic song, and uh, not only listen to it, enjoy it here, but in, in the hopes that they will be able to produce and record more songs, please go to iTunes and download Riding on My Stingray by Tom, Dick, and Harry, guys, today. Once again, play us out.
I've got the world